Welcome to the Midlife Mastery Podcast. I'm Peter Fritz, and this is a show about mastering the issues we midlifers face, from basic money worries to not having enough time, right through to that dreaded midlife crisis. Sometimes we have guests on the show, and other times, well, it's just me. But either way, my job here is to offer practical, real-world advice, plus the occasional kick at the butt, all with the noble objective of helping you to master the best time of your life, your midlife. Okay, welcome to the very first podcast episode for 2018. Uh, you're going to find the uh, the matching blog post for this one at midlifetribe.com slash 22. The subject for this week's episode is, it's time to decide what you really want. I'm recording this episode on the very first day of the year, and typically this is a time of the year when uh, I'm not recovering from a hangover like I would have, say, 20 years ago, but rather I'm thinking a lot more about what lies ahead, and how I really want the next year to shape up. Um, It was quite typical for me in the not-too-distant past to be thinking about the huge mountain that I saw in front of me, you know, 50, 60, 70-hour work weeks, sometimes more, Um, you know, paying bills, fixing things around the house that I said I was going to do during the break but didn't, Um, running kids around to concerts and parties and all that sort of stuff. But more than ever lately, this is a time of the year when I tend to start thinking about um, where my life is going and the meaning that's accrued so far. Um, I'm sure a lot of other people do it. I'm sure you've done this in the past as well. And, um, you know, some people will greet it with excitement and others with dread. And often we meet it with, uh, or we greet it with dread because we don't really think things are going to change, even though we want them to. And I've walked this path a lot of times. Uh, When I was a younger man, the arrival of a brand new year, used to fill me with so much optimism and hope that I really would struggle even to sleep. There was a whole period in my life there when I would often stay up till three, four in the morning and get up again at six and seven because I just had so much energy and so much excitement towards what I believed was yet to come that I just didn't want to waste my time sleeping. Um, I really thought that I was going to conquer the world every time January came around. But as I got older, each new year sort of became a bit darker and more lugubrious, as I call it. The thing was, I tried and failed at so many different things, and and sometimes quite spectacularly, that with each passing year, it, it sort of took all the strength I could muster just to think positively about what I could do in the year to come. And um, it seemed, it seemed to get harder and harder. I guess uh, failures and disappointments have a habit of doing that to you. They they knock all the optimism out of you. But anyway, a few years ago, I realized that, um, well, I didn't realize, but I, I decided to really intentionally acknowledge the simple fact that everything has an end, whether it's good or it's bad. Good times end, bad times end. So I decided that I would make a very deliberate decision to turn things around. And I've written a lot about you know, the things that I've done on the midlifetribe.com website. And uh, I've talked about some of those things on this podcast as well. But suffice to say that once I made the decision that that day was day one, then things began to change. So nowadays, I tend to be a lot more intentional about the decisions that I make, especially about the things that I want, and probably just as importantly about the things I don't want. It's often easier to decide what you will no longer um put up with or what you will no longer accept than it is to figure out what it is that you really want. And I've kind of learned too that what we say we want is often just a veneer that's covering something a lot deeper and often much simpler. Now, I can't tell you what you want, but 
I can tell you how I make decisions today and why this process has really changed things for me. And one of the things I've done is I've adopted this phrase, which I just call so that. And the purpose of so that is to work things through to their ultimate conclusion. In other words, when a decision comes in front of me, I always try to carry it through to its ultimate conclusion with a series of brutally honest so that's. And you know, I'm guilty of doing this with my kids all the time. When they say they want to do something or they say they want something, you know, I always ask, okay, so that you can do what? So that you can have what? You know, let's try and get to the very end of what it is that you're trying to get or what you're trying to become or achieve. So um, what I found that by going through a series of so that's is it leads me towards the ultimate outcome and it really forces me to question my motives. I'll give you an example. Now, say I want a job promotion, and personally, I don't want a job promotion. I've been offered those before, and uh, they always come with a lot of strings attached, and I'm quite happy with the way my life runs these days. But let's just say that I'm after a job promotion. Well, my so that sequence might look something like this. Well, I want to get this promotion so that I can earn more money, so that I can pay off a house sooner, so that we can eat out more often, so that my wife can drive a new car, so that we look impressive to other people, so that I feel like I'm winning so that all those years of work amount to something, so that I fulfill my dream of living the good life. Now there's a second phrase that I deploy, which is actually a question. And that question is, will this deliver the final outcome that I'm seeking? And if the outcome of the above example, I'm saying above because I'm talking about what I've written here on my website, but if the outcome of the example I just gave you, which is living the good life, that's the ultimate outcome. um, If the outcome is that, then the answer to my question of will this deliver the outcome I seek, it might actually be no. So let me explain. I'll cover this a little bit more in a minute. But as I've said before, we're taught mostly through all the marketing messages that we're pummeled with every single day that the only path to the life that we want is to buy our way there. And few of us question this because we're all drinking the same Kool-Aid, frankly. But really, you and I both know that it's nonsense. Every decision has multiple costs. And I think we'd be wise to consider all of them each time we're about to make one of the bigger ones. I break down these costs this way. First off, there's the time cost. How much of it do you have to surrender for this thing that you want? Number two is the relationship cost. What's the impact that this is going to have on the people closest to you, the people that you care about? Three, what about the freedom cost? What sort of restrictions is this going to place on your autonomy and your ability to make decisions um, that are in your best interest? Uh, Number four, the ethical cost. Are there moral or ethical compromises that you might have to make when you make this decision? Number five is the truth cost. How much will this cause you to divert from who you really are and what feels right to you, what sits well with you? And of course, then there's the financial cost, the money that you have to pay for it. Now, if I run my getting a promotion example through this test, my answers to these six questions or to these six costs might look like this. In terms of time, well, I'll probably have to work longer hours. In terms of relationships, there's a good chance that my wife and kids are going to see less of me. In terms of freedom, I might have to give up dinner or breakfast with the family or, you know, Sunday morning walks because I've got to catch up on emails. I don't know. Uh, Number four, ethics. There's a good chance that I'll have to promote or support something that I don't believe in or to an extent which is not consistent with how I think think it should be done. In terms of truth, I might have to do things that are unnatural or awkward for me. And, you know, I'm an advocate for stepping out of your comfort zone and doing things to help yourself grow. But then there are also other things which just aren't 
aligned with what you're naturally gifted at. And it's a bit like that old thing I've written about before about playing to your strengths versus trying to um, amplify your or trying to improve your weaknesses. And the final one, financial, um, if I do get this promotion because of the reasons that I outlined, because of the things that I want, well, then I'm going to end up directing more of my income to car payments and restaurant dinners. You can see how this plays out, can't you? This is probably the simplest way that I can explain why I decided over 10 years ago that I wouldn't chase job titles or fancier jobs anymore. Now, I could have made a lot more money than what I have, but the bottom line is I was always there for my kids, and I still am. And in my mind, that's worth a lot more than a fancy but restrictive job with a fancy title and more money. Now, of course, it's not always mutually exclusive. It is possible to earn more money and retain the kind of freedoms that you that you think are important and address these uh, six costs in a way that satisfies you. But often there are big compromises and they need to be weighed up. Like a lot of things, for me, I learned this stuff the hard way. There is a natural tendency for people of my personality type, type A personality that thinks, well, you know, somebody else couldn't do it, but I know I can do it. It'll be fine. I can make anything work. And that, of course, just isn't always true. The first time I made a decision based on chasing money, for example, was about 20 years ago. I was lured by a fancy guy in a really fancy suit to head up a new franchise at a car dealership. This was actually a guy that I'd photographed um, on a NASCAR-style racing track called the Thunderdome here in Australia, which is no longer in operation. But back then, it was a huge deal, and um, Tom Cruise filmed part of Days of Thunder on this racetrack. And the fellow that um, lured me into this job was a NASCAR driver, and I was working for a car magazine back then, and uh, I went around the racetrack with him with me sitting in the back of this car with no harness, no helmet, nothing but the roll cage to hang on to while I tried taking photos of him blasting around this track at crazy speed. So um, that was an exciting experience. And, um, you know, uh, doing that with this guy was kind of cool. So when he contacted me and said, uh, Pete, I've got a great opportunity for you. Well, I already, you know, was impressed with the guy. I was already, um, I'd already had a great experience with him and I already trusted him. So I was more than happy to listen to what he had to say. But anyway, he took me out for lunch and he told me how wonderful my life would be if I took this role. You know, the money would flow, the accolades would tumble from the heavens and supermodels would beg me for my number. Well, some of that's true. But the offer did come with an immediate 50% pay rise and a new car and a good dose of extra status. The trouble was the location was an extra hour from home. And as I soon discovered, the owner of the business, not the guy who lured me there, but the owner was an absolute lunatic. I discovered this really important fact on day one when he absolutely blasted the hell out of me for leaning against a desk in the new, as yet, unfinished showroom. We were still sorting things out and uh, he came to have a a chat with me and I leaned up against one of the desks and he just completely lost it. (laughs) Um, Three days later, I realized what a horrible mistake I'd made and I quit. And yes, I was crapping myself when I left because I thought, hell, I've just left a really nice job to come to do this fancy job for more money and now I've got no job. The second time this happened involved a $250,000 carrot from a tech startup. Again, a mistake. Chasing money is usually a mistake. Um, In exchange for my quarter of a million bucks a year, they required everything short of my firstborn. There was just no room for anything else in my life. I was 100% always on for this company, and it was hard. They were um, they'd only just launched in my hometown. Their head office was interstate, and it was almost impossible to get any help from the main guys interstate to set up 
the Melbourne branch um, where I lived. So it was really hard. It was, it felt uncomfortable and it felt uncomfortable from day one. You just get a sense that you're doing the wrong thing and you can't quite put your finger on it. But uh, after a couple of months of that, I knew I'd made a terrible mistake. And the funny thing was I got this really lucrative offer, if you could call it that, from a very sexy colleague that worked there. And that wasn't enough to keep me there either. I mean, I've never been the philandering type, but nothing would keep me there. So I called up my previous boss and I begged him to take me back. And luckily he did. And that's when I decided to restructure my working arrangements. I remember coming back to to my old office and sitting in front of uh, the CEO and he said, Okay, so what do you want to do? And we had to think about uh, where the company had some shortcomings and how I could contribute to um, to improving those. And uh, he said, "All right, sounds good. What do you want to call yourself?" <laughs> so we came up with a title, and uh, he said, "Do you want to work from home or do you want to work from here?" And I said, "I'll work from home. Thanks very much." And uh, that's how it's been ever since. And that was. That must have been at least 10 years ago, but I tell you what, that was a life changer. And uh, seriously, you could give me an extra 150, 200 grand a year. And if it meant going into an office every day of the week in the city, I would say no thanks. But anyway, what I learned from all of this and through the 10 years or so that's followed, um, I'm a bit of a slow learner. um, What I've learned is that the things that I want all have a price. And it's not just one price, there are multiple prices. Uh, I also learned that the things I wanted could actually be acquired through means that didn't conform to societal norms. Uh, What I mean by that is I didn't really have to give up as much as other people would have me believe. I didn't have to pay as many prices. And now this is where you come in. Like I said, I don't know exactly what you want, but I reckon I can guess a few of them. Tell me how close I am. I know you can't tell me because I'm just talking to you and you're not talking to me, but um, what I'm guessing is that you want a degree of autonomy around how you spend your days. In other words, you pretty much get to decide you know, when you get up, when you start work, when you finish, um, when you get home, uh, you know, where you work and how you work, that kind of thing. Um, number two, I'm guessing that um, healthy relationships with your partner and your kids is probably high on your list as well. Um, most of us, I think would agree that we would like to do work that matters to us. I know there are some people who are very happy doing the same semi-meaningless job for their whole life, and they're happy to do that. They separate work from their personal life, and they go home, they have a barbecue, and they sit down, they watch Netflix. You know, um, I'm just not wired that way. And I think that, um, I mean, this is just my opinion, but I like to think that work weaves its way throughout my life and that my personal life weaves its way throughout my work. And I don't really like to draw a line between the two because there are some times when I feel like working at one o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning. And if I had to draw a line and say, well, no, you can't start work until 8am and you must finish at 6pm. I don't know. I don't think I could do that. Anyway, the fourth thing, which I'm guessing that is pretty important to you is that you would like to stand or hold fast to your values and your beliefs, that you don't want to do things that that compromise your values and beliefs. Number five, you'd like to have the time and the energy to actually appreciate your life and to pursue a few things that you love, whether they're hobbies or charities or uh, passions of some kind, Um, but you'd like to have more time and energy to pursue those things and to just Be still sometimes and just appreciate what's around you. Um, My mum used to often say when we would walk the dogs up on the golf course at night, 
we would sit there on the I think it was the third or fourth green, looking out over the over the water. We lived uh, fairly close to the beach, and she would always tell me, you know, look, Pete, we're millionaires. You know, we might not have much money, but look, look what we have. You know, we're rich already. Speaking of which, I'm guessing that the sixth thing that uh, you would like is to have, if not financial freedom, at least financial security, some sort of financial stability, so you're not always thinking about money, so you're not always worrying about money. Uh, I'd be interested to know if you think I've missed any. I'm sure there are some others, uh, but I think these are kind of the headline items. Personally, I can sum all of these up with one word, freedom. Now, I've got two cars with number plates that include this word on them. That's how strongly I feel about it. There was a saying where... Um, I can't remember where I heard it from, but it was that man's most persistent cry is freedom. And I don't know, maybe I'm wired a bit differently to, to a lot of other people, but autonomy and freedom have always been a huge draw for me. I want the freedom to decide where and when I work, who I spend my time with, what kinds of things I work on, which causes I pursue or support, and how my income is created and spent. I want a meaningful life. And so everything I do is filtered through this lens. And all of this sort of bubbles up during my annual reflection or review. I know reflection sounds a bit religious. Um, And I ask myself five questions. Now, I know this whole discussion is full of lists, and I apologize. I kind of tend to think in lists. But um, I ask myself these questions, and and I write these down. And I've just completed this the other day for 2018. And these questions are, what do I want this year, and how do I want to feel? Number two... What worked well last year? Number three, what didn't work so well last year? Number four, what will I say yes to this year? And number five, what am I going to say no to? When it's thought about in this way, and with the number one question of what do I want and how do I want to feel, with that number one question filtered through the criteria that I described earlier on, I can go into the new year knowing exactly what matters for me. Now, if you're in my age group, I'm going to be 50 in a couple of months' time, chances are you've denied yourself this kind of sort of introspection and uh, thought for years, maybe even decades. But my question to you is, how much longer do you think you have? I mean, what exactly are you waiting for? Are you waiting for permission or for the kids to leave home or your financial nest egg to reach some kind of mythical number? If you've worked as long as I have, and I've been working for about 33 years now, then I think you deserve to ask, what do I really want? Hell, if you've just started working, then you can save yourself decades of misery by asking the question right now. If no one was judging you, if the decision was wholly yours to make, what would you really want for yourself or for your family this year? And remember, you don't have to quit your job. I'm not talking about just uh, tossing in everything and you know going crazy with this. Um, but you might need a different job one that aligns better with what matters to you, or one that gives you a bit more freedom to pursue something on the side. And speaking of that, maybe you need some kind of a side hustle. You might already know that I think that everyone needs a side hustle. I think it's a very healthy thing to have something else on the side where you get to pour your creative or intellectual energy into it, and it flows through to other things that you do. It it actually supports and and makes you a more effective person in your normal job and in your personal life. And it gives you a sense of satisfaction that you might not be able to get from your job. And ultimately, it could be something that you can turn into um, a replacement for your job. But, you know, a side hustle, something that you start that's small, that's on the side that you can grow over time, I think is enormously valuable. I think it's very a very healthy thing to do. 
Maybe you also need to eliminate some of the crap out of your life, people included. Uh, perhaps it's time you shut out all the noise and, and just go somewhere and think for a while on your own. Now, I've done this many, many times. Um, I've often driven a few hundred kilometers from home just so I can be alone in my car with a voice recorder or my phone with the voice app on that and just record thoughts as they come in, you know, come to mind. Um, I don't usually do this with just random thoughts. There's usually a, a purpose behind it, a reason behind it. Um, I think it's really useful to do this at uh, a few different times of the year when you're trying to sort something out specifically. And you want to work through the pros and cons. You want to work through how you feel about different decision options, that kind of stuff. I think it's enormously helpful. And I think that if you do that kind of thing, you just go somewhere quiet for half a day or a day and just think openly about what you want and don't self-edit. You know, just kind of spew everything out there. And this is why the voice recorder thing is so helpful because you can just you can just crap on just as you're driving and just ramble on about stuff that, oh, yeah, I like this and I'd love to do that. Would it be awesome if I could do this? No, nah, I wouldn't do that. I hate that. Yada, yada, yada. But I reckon you'd be amazed what you can tease out if you just make the time to do it. And as you think out loud and you record your thoughts, you're going to uncover truths that you've probably been hiding under this thick layer of bad programming and society's expectations, probably for years too. And don't think of this as some kind of indulgence. A lot of people spend more time planning a holiday than they do the important decisions in their life. And deciding what you want in your life is right up there with the important decisions. So, you know, if you're prepared to spend weeks planning a holiday, but you won't devote even a day or even half a day to figuring out what you really want from your remaining days on this planet, well, then I reckon you're kidding yourself. Things aren't going to change all by themselves. So decide what you want at the purest, simplest level and write it down. First, just record it. Like I said, just do it while you're driving, do it while you're doing something else where your mind is kind of operating at a subconscious level. It's good if you're doing something that's repetitive and automatic uh, so that your subconscious can just think freely. There's no point sitting there at a desk, staring at a computer screen and thinking, all right, what do I want? That that just doesn't work. So go somewhere, do something, be in a relaxed state or a distracted state and just let this stuff come out. And then later on, write it down and keep it simple. You know, once you distill it, distill it down to some to some very simple points. Cut away all the crap, all the crutches and all the veneers and just be honest with yourself for a change and pretend no one's watching. And then when you're ready, when you're truly ready, you can make tomorrow day one. Anyway, that's enough for me for uh, for this week. Uh, like I said, if you want to um, read the blog post that goes along with this episode, just go to midlifetribe.com slash 22. And if you haven't already subscribed to the show, I'd love it if you would. And if you could also leave an honest rating and a review, I read all of them. Um, I love reading those. And I'm going to start reading some of them out again on the show, <clears throat> excuse me, um, this year. So if you could do that, that would be awesome. And uh, if you don't have a copy of the um, 15 Ideas for Midlife Mastery ebook that I produced a while ago, just go to midlifetribe.com slash 15 ideas and get yourself a copy. It's free. Anyway, been great talking to you again, as always. Uh, I'm pretty excited about what's coming for this year. I'm going to be very simple and focused on one or two specific things throughout this year. And uh, I'm really looking forward to simplifying my life further. And I hope that you do the same and become more focused on what's really important to you. I'll talk to you again next week. Till then, enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye.